the Truth in My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Hello, all. Welcome back to the Truth in My Days apologetics program. Today, we have Kara Tors speaking with John Tors. Today, John will be speaking on the topic of alleged forged books in the New Testament and why these claims are false. We are continuing from the last episode. We hope you enjoy. Now, they wouldn't have made this mistake, I think, if they checked. And this is one of the problems. This is what we like to do, maybe because of my background in, in sciences and biblical scholars generally don't have that. But first, we always like to check Compare things to real life. Look at the numbers to see whether it, it holds. Uh, you remember in another program, we looked at this claim of liberals that the gospel books contradict each other because they have different details and one includes this, one leaves out that. And we looked at four accounts of a post-game interview at the World Junior Hockey Championships a few years back. And by comparing these four, we showed that you have exactly those kind of differences among eyewitness reports. Now, we did the same thing here. Okay? We like to look in real life to see what actually happens. And we actually did an experiment here, an experiment to see how easy it is to identify author authorship on the basis of vocabulary and style. So we had our Bible study group, a large number of people. And I handed out to them four pieces of writing. Each one was exactly 378 words long, which is uh, slightly longer than uh, Philemon. I told them that two of these were written by the same author. And their task was to read the four samples and decide which two they thought were by the same author and which were by different authors. Now, if you remove the filler words, the articles, the conjunctions, the prepositions, there was a total of 493 different words in the four samples. And out of those, 438 were hapax legomena. 438 appeared only once in the four writings. Uh, that's eight, almost 89% of the words appeared only once. They found that there was not one word that appeared in all four writings. There were 10 words that were shared by three writings that appeared in three out of the four and 45 words that appeared in two out of the four writings, pairs of, of writings. So this is the kind of vocabulary analysis that is done by biblical scholars when they look at these, these letters. Uh, and then they looked at what are called characteristic words, because you'll see that biblical scholars try to do that. They look at what are Paul's characteristic words and then compare how often they appear in, in a pastoral, say, compared to the so-called undisputed letters. Well, they found here that sample one, it had one word that appeared 18 times in the sample, another word that appeared 16 times, another word that appeared 15 times. Sample two, three, and four, sample four had one word that appeared four times, and that was it, two that appeared three times, same thing with uh, sample three. There were two that appeared four times each, and then some that appeared three times each. Sample two had a group of words that appeared three times each. There was only one word that was in two of these lists. So with these characteristic words, you should be able to tell whether the authors are, which authors wrote which ones, which two were written by the same author. That's what we're told can be done here. 
but what actually happened? They were quite different stylistically. Why? Because I took one from a poem, I took two from prose fiction, and I took one from a news report. And so the people looked at the style, they looked at the vocabulary, they generally identified the two that were from prose fiction as being by the same author. But the reality was all four were by the same author, all four of them. Edgar Rice Burroughs, to be precise. And he wrote different styles. He wrote poetry. He wrote prose fiction. He was a foreign correspondent during World War II writing news reports. And so this is what happens in real life. You can take samples from different writings and give them to these people and have them analyze it according to the, the same methodology that biblical scholars use when they try to identify the authorship of the epistles, and they will come to very wrong conclusions. Well, they were all different. I don't know, they're all, all, by, all by the same author. So then it's a very good thing that Paul did tell us that he wrote those books. Yes. And in fact, there's a reason that, that this approach of theirs doesn't work. And again, if they were trained in statistical analysis, which I think you should be if you're going to be a biblical scholar, then you won't make these kind of uh, mistakes. A certain uh, G. Adeni Yule, professional statistician, professor of statistics at the University of Cambridge, considered one of the pioneers of statistical analysis and mathematical statistics. He looked at this issue. How many words? Because people can use very different vocabulary, different styles, uh, depending on their audience and depending on their purpose. He mathematically figured out how big a sample of a writing you have to have before you can start making estimates about who the authorship is. He published this in 1944 in his book, Statistical Study of Literary Vocabulary. And he concluded that it takes at least 10,000 words your sample has to have at least 10,000 words to form any solid statistical basis for authorship, at least 10,000. And if we look at the epistles that we're talking about here, the New Testament epistles, not one of them comes close to 10,000. Romans is the longest at 7,111. By the time we're down to the pastorals, 1 Timothy is 1,591. Titus is 659 words. So you see these are not nearly close enough in terms of the number of words for us to be able to draw any kind of conclusion about authorship. Unfortunately, biblical scholars and liberal biblical scholars don't know that because they're not trained in mathematics. They should be. But it means that from the point of view of pure science, what they're saying is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely unscientific. Now, another argument from Armin was the claim, as we mentioned, that Paul uses a word in a certain way in his undisputed letters, and then they're used differently in the pastorals. And one of the examples he gives is this word pistis, which means faith. But like most nouns in most languages, it has more than one meaning. And so you have to look at context to figure out what sense it's being used in. The English word set, for example, has over 400 specific meanings. If I would say, for example, I won Wimbledon beating Djokovic three sets to none versus turn on the set so we can watch the program versus do you want the white pieces or the black pieces? 
he said, as he put the set on the table so we could play chess. You know, it's, it's the same word set, but all in different ways. And the context tells you which one. Now, Armin tells us that this word pistis, this word faith, in Paul's undisputed letters, Romans and Galatians, Paul uses it to mean trust, a trust in Christ. Whereas in the pastorals, it's used to mean a body of doctrine, the sum total of what we believe as Christians. Now, that might sound interesting at first glance, but again, if we look, we find it's not true. Because Paul uses that word, faith, in both ways, in his undisputed epistles and in the pastorals. In 1 Corinthians 16, 13, for example, he uses faith to mean the body of belief, things we believe. Uh, same thing in 2 Corinthians 13, 5 and Philippians 1, 27. In the pastorals, on the other hand, in 1 Timothy, eight times, the context makes it clear is referring to this body of beliefs that we share, that we hold, that make up Christianity. But he uses it to refer to trust in Christ in 1 Timothy 1, 5, 1, 14, 1, 19, 2, 15, 4, 12, 5, 12, 6, 11, 6, 12, eight times. He uses it as many times to refer to trust in Christ as he does to, to the uh, body of things we believe. In 2 Timothy, five times he uses it to mean trust in Christ, three times the body of beliefs. In Titus, it's, it's the other way. Four times out of five, he uses it to refer to the body of beliefs. But even here, he does use it to mean trust in Christ. So this, this argument from different use, different meanings of the word is simply not true. And you just need to look at the use of the words in these different epistles to see that. And then where you, where you do see some difference is, again, because of the subject matter. In the pastorals, Paul is writing Timothy and then to Titus to teach them about how to lead a church, which necessarily will involve some different vocabulary from theological treatises uh, written to churches. Now we're running out of their arguments. One thing they'll sometimes do is make charts. They'll look at characteristic terms for theology of the pastoral epistles, like what are the words that keep showing up there for theology and then try to show how they're not actually used in the undisputed letters. But it doesn't actually work, because those letters that, uh, those words that are used, the terms that are used in the pastoral epistles to describe theology, they all, almost all of them, appear in the undisputed letters. And uh, very rarely they don't, but when they do, then you'd have to ask uh, questions like, really, is this a characteristic term? Ugiaining, health? Is that really meant a characteristic theological term in the pastorals? I don't think so. It almost looks like the terms are being cherry-picked to get the conclusion one wants. And on the flip side, they will have equally charts showing the theological terms that are used in the undisputed letters and show how they're missing from the pastorals. For example, the kasunetheu, which means the righteousness of God. They'll say this is characteristic of Paul's, Paul's undisputed letters, but they're not in the pastorals. But are they really? Because it does appear eight times in Romans, but only once in 1 Corinthians. It doesn't appear at all in 2 Corinthians. It doesn't appear at all in 1 Corinthians or in Galatians. So if the pastorals are not by Paul because they don't use this word, then neither can 1 Corinthians or Galatians be. 
Thauros cross, as that doesn't appear in the pastorals. Well, it doesn't appear in Romans or in 2 Corinthians either. So these are bogus arguments. I don't know how they even decide which words count as like characteristic and not. But regardless, looks like this argument is not working for them. It isn't. So let's conclude the matter then. Let's sum up what we've seen. Since in these letters, the writer identifies himself, he receives the initial presumption, as is the case with all ancient writings. Paul testified to his care to make sure his readers received only his own epistles. There is indication that the New Testament books were received as scripture right away, which means they would have checked to be sure. And this evidence all speaks against forgeries in the New Testament. The arguments for forgeries, we've looked at them. They have all been shown to be based on scientific ignorance and carelessness. And I'd have to say in some cases, perhaps intellectual dishonesty. There are no forgeries in the New Testament. We can say with Psalm 119, verse 160, the entirety of your word is truth. If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share any questions or comments you may have. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, and YouTube. Simply search Truth In My Days as one word. Again, Truth In My Days as one word, no spaces in between. And you can connect with us. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you. Thank you.